the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Weathering Heights. Terror made me cruel. <laughs> there you go, folks. Anyway, um, as we always do, we, we uh, lead you to uh, WHK's webpage. If you want to get a hold of us, that's a great way to do it. Uh, you know, if you go to WHK 1420 AM, go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show Tim Hayes. Uh, it just goes right to my webpage. I would highly recommend the bulletin board. That's with Bob Dickey. Our head technical strategist, one of the best on, on the planet at this point, uh, has his daily thought process. And, you know, look, sometimes when you see what the market's doing, it's a lot easier to conceptualize because the market's just mass, mass thing. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, billions and billions of dollars, trillions and trillions of dollars, right? So it's a good thing. Also, it has a weekly newsletter above there, market, uh, market uh, uh, highlights. And then uh, up on the, uh, on the bulletin board is insights. And if you go up there, uh, there's some really good stuff. They're talking about, you know, the fed switching to inflation. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff for the ladies out there too, uh, women in investing, etc. And we have a couple, couple new pieces out that I think you'll find uh, it very interesting. Also, you can ask for our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. We have our small cap ideas, our multi-cap ideas where large, small and, and mid cap, uh, very good stuff. We have a wealth plan. You sign up with us. It's, uh, I tell you, folks, we won the J.D. Power Award last year. Uh, we were number one, number one brokerage firm. And uh, part of it was because of our wealth plan. It's, it's uh, interactive. It's on, you know, we don't put it in paper. We put it on the machine. So that if you start saying, hey, what's, what happens if this happens? You can do what ifs on it. And I'll find out about it as soon as you do it. So there you go. Also, the family inventory workbook. Uh, folks, it's straight broke out. And I've been talking about taking out loans you know, for a long time now, okay? But the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. Also, for you guys selling a business, we have the uh, a business transition book. And then uh, we, we also have Women in Wealth, a planning workbook, which I highly recommend. Uh, a lot more ladies uh, giving me calls these days, and uh, it's uh, they're bright, very bright people, and I, uh, uh, I love doing business with them. Let's put it that way. So, um, you know, I had a couple conversations uh, this last week, and, and – uh, you know, I, I thought they were fairly interesting, so I'll, I'll just, uh, you know, we'll just go with that. Um, <laughs> what I liked about them was, uh, well, the, the first one came out, and it was about uh, negative interest rates. And, uh, you know, uh, right now, uh, real interest rates are negative, okay? Interest rates aren't negative, but real interest rates are negative, Um and, you know, it, it sounds to me, uh, and I'm, I, you know, I'm not 100% sure, but I, I think the, the United Kingdom, uh, it, this next, you know, uh, uh, meeting with the Bank of England is talking about going to negative interest rates. And I guess the question is, how effective are negative interest rates? And, and um, you know, I'm, look, what, what, you're, what you're saying to the people is, we don't want your money. We want, you know, you're going to pay us for us to hold your money. So go do something with it, all right, uh, other than save it. And, and uh, so it's a pretty tough uh, scenario. It's a, there's a large body of academic and central bank research that has found uh, the so-called neutral rate of interest um, has fallen sharply in many uh, developed countries uh, recently in economies uh, due to long-term uh, demographic trends, aging population, you know, they're, they're spending less, that type of thing. 
the difference is, is it's important to remember that the central bank rates serve only as an anchor point for the broader suite, if you will, of interest rates. So, and they're faced by a market and economy as a whole. So with the economy is not doing that great, interest rates have come down and the Fed has brought them down further uh, to kind of save the world type of thing. And so uh, there's, there's some effects to it, and I don't know if they're good. I just will mention this. You know, we, we've had several people talk to me about this, yet, and, and, you know, Bob Dickey and Dorsey Wright and some friends, of, you know, good friends of mine have shown us, if you've been watching, if you've been going to WHK1420 on my website, which, by the way, you know, you can bookend if you want, uh, Bob Dickey talked about interest rates breaking out on Thursday. Or was it Wednesday? Can't remember. So that's kind of interesting, don't you think? Uh, I think it's very, very interesting too. So um, I had a I had a question, um, and the, the, well, I'm going to read this. Uh, I hope she doesn't mind. But uh, so I had a, a young lady on the line last uh, this week, and she said, uh, "Tim, I am 64 years old, and uh, no, I mean this is an email to me. I am 64 years old, and I have 1.1 million dollars. Uh, my husband no longer works." and has been retired, and we did not save much money uh, through his 401k. Uh, my job was the principal uh, 401k contribution um, scenario. Anyway, she says, I, will a million dollars be enough to retire on? And look, uh, I would just say this. You've got to understand that what retirement is, the cost of retirement reflects, reflects the cost of inflation, adjusted stream of cash flows, equal to uh, the U.S. dollar and, and an interest rate, which usually is the TIPS curve, the Treasury Inflation Protected Securities uh, Curve. So the cost of retirement rose for almost all vintages in, in 2020, and it, it, was, it was like 20% increase, okay? Uh, and, you know, for all of you out there making over $110,000, $120,000, you know, they just moved uh, the Social Security tax up to $148,000 now. So you'll be paying Social Security up to $148,000. It was ninety-eight like six years ago. So, you know, it's, it's getting harder to retire because taxes, et cetera, et cetera. And, and trust me, wait till you see what happens with Medicare. The next year we don't have election. I believe that's next year. I bet you Medicare goes up 10 to 20%. Medicaid, too. So, uh but, you know, de- declining interest rates have been a real tough thing for the retiree. And that's why, you know, I, look, uh, we've been in a 40-year bull market for bonds, and I don't think it's going to uh, last. It lasted three more years than I thought it was going to, to be honest with you. So a million dollars is okay, but you've got to remember, you're probably going to be taking 4 to 6% out of that, okay, every year. So in order to keep it at a million dollars, you have to make probably 10% with inflation, okay? So a million dollars isn't as easy as you think it is. Let's just put it that way, okay? And uh, so I, I had a big-time question last week, and, uh, and you know, it's, it's funny. Um, you know, with this COVID, what's going on with COVID, I think everybody wants to be, you know, kept in touch, and, and I, I agree with them 100%. And, um, look, I... I was listening to Tom Lee this week, and uh, look, one of the things, everybody says everybody's bullish. Um, but if investors are so bullish, why is the volatility index so high? All right, uh, vaccinations in the U.S. are ramping up. Uh, I, I think if you want to look at COVID and, and, and really see an important country to follow, it's Israel. It's a smaller country, so we can, we can see it quicker. But it... it, it Right now, they have about 6% of the population inoculated or vaccinated, I should say. And uh, they'll probably get to 17, you know, shortly, uh, hopefully quicker than that. And it, 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 you need about 30% of the population to be vaccinated to see if the, the things, the, the cases start to decline. So I think you got to look at that. But um, look, uh, we had a, the stocks finished really strong. For the week, uh, energy was up nine percent year to date. You know, we talked about that last year. Uh, the ISM manufacturing orders, at least new orders, were up like sixty percent, or at sixty, which is very big. But look, you know, I look at the American Association of Individual Investors, Bulls Less Bears, and 
which is kind of the investor sentiment. And the latest survey came in at 12.5, kind of the middle of road in, indicate uh, reading, not really indicative of, you know, exuberance or anything like that. But more important, the metric remains the relatively high level of the VIX. So the VIX has been over 23 now since 2018. All right, so if everybody's so bullish, why is everybody so frightened? <laughs> All right? And, and if, by the way, if you look at the futures contracts or the option contracts, there's huge volume in the VIX. If that's the case, you know, that's not what you expect, okay? Now, look, why, everybody asked me, uh, I just had a, a guy named Fred call me Thursday and, and uh, Michael call me on Tuesday and said, why are you so bullish? You know, this could be the end of the world. Look, I'm just telling you, there's a time where you have the VIX this high. I mean, we've been averaging 29.5%. On the VIX, okay. The only time we, we uh, averaged higher than that was in 2009 and 2010. All right. And uh, by the way, the VIX collapsed after that, and you made a lot of money. So I'm thinking, and I think Tom Lee at, at Fundstrat has said this several times, uh, and you know that we could have the, the volatility index collapse over the course of the next couple of years, okay? And that would be huge for stocks. That's why I'm bullish. Um, just remember, this is a uh, uh, a live show, so if you have a question, call in here. It's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. You know, one of the things that I haven't talked about, and I think this is a big, big, it's going to be a big, big thing, and that is energy storage. Uh, the global energy storage addressable market has slated to attract $1 trillion in new investments. That's 20 times. Uh to 30 times, some people think, over the next decade. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting uh, scenario simply because uh, what does it mean for battery technologies? You know, the, the push for behind-the-meter resources, that type of thing. Uh, I think there'll be some best-in-class stocks. I know what they are. I, I, I'll leave that up. You know, you've got to do your own homework. But the latest update on battery cost projections, uh, you know, that 2020, the lowest long-term storage solution, which is compressed air, uh, compressed air energy storage systems are found to be the cheapest technology at $119 per uh, kilowatt hour. Uh, but hydrogen looks like it's catching up, and that's a favorite of uh, Joe Biden just soon, though. But look, I think uh, battery uh, batteries are a critical component of the energy grid. And you know, one of the things that everybody's talking about is the million-mile battery, uh, because Believe it or not, those batteries, you know, as green as electric cars are, those batteries don't go away. It takes like four, four or 5,000 years for them to dissipate. So that's a, you know, what, what is green is not green, I guess. But look, um, I, I wanted to uh, just talk a little bit about what type of batteries there are. And uh, I think energy storage is is now starting to become a global concept. So I think, uh, you know, it's something that you have to be thinking about. And, and uh, <laughs> I, I, hold on, I got to get to the page. It's tough being a computer versus just regular pages, folks, because they don't let me print at home. Uh, the, the point is, is that there's a lot of different batteries. And I think a lot of people don't understand that uh, people, uh, you, what you're looking is, they're, they're trying to take batteries and move them into cells and then into storage. And if and when they do, it'll yeah. be a huge, huge uh, uh, benefit for, you know, I mean, if they were going electric cars, which it seems that watching Tesla go up every day, you know, I owned Tesla the first time around and I, uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't, didn't stay with it. And it dropped, you know, big time after I sold it from like three fifty down and then I didn't get back into it. And, uh, <laughs> uh, the rest is history. Right. Um, so there's electrochemical batteries, uh, and and there's lead acid, nickel-based configurations, nickel-cadmium, or NICAD as they call them, nickel-metal hydrate. Um, there is sodium-sulfur. There is lithium-ion. And, uh, you know, there's there's also a term that uh, it, it's a new technology called LI+. Technology or Lee Lee Plus, uh, so you know that's where the million dollar battery is coming from, and so there's there's going to be uh, 
what they call redux flow batteries or uh, uh, badmium, VRB batteries, they'll call it, and zinc bromide, okay? So there'll be a lot of things going on coming up here. Uh, anyway, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. This is the Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. Uh, Smart Investor Show here. I'm Tim Hayes. Once again, if you, you want to uh, get any of the materials I talk about, like uh, electrical storage report, uh, please go to WHK1420 webpage and go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show Tim Hayes. It goes right to my webpage. You can hit the email me, contact me, whatever. Or call me. <laughs> I talk to people on the phone a lot. So I was thinking about, you know, 2021 and, and – uh, it's amazing how many people are scared. You know, I, I probably talk to about 50 people a day, and uh, they're still scared. And I, I think that's great, by the way, you know, because the more people are scared, the better things are. And I look at a couple things, and uh, I, I think we're going to have, uh, you know, I, here's some themes. Uh, first of all, I think we have a bullish stock market. Um, and I, I've seen some indicators that have just turned bullish, which makes me, you know, pretty strong. And that's uh, stuff like, um, the well, if I look, if I look at uh, stuff like the ratio between stocks and bonds, which is clearly broken out of you know what they call a right angle broadening formation, which is very positive, by the way, it's almost uh, like a reverse head and shoulders, uh, and it, it has a pretty big uh, target after that. And uh, you know, look, this is an important relationship because it tells us the stocks are likely to outperform bonds. Not that the rally will be in an absolute sense, but, uh, you know, on the other hand, it demonstrates that a lot of these signals that we're looking for are very positive for the S&P 500, okay? The second thing I saw, and this is, I think, really big, bullish commodities. Our, our second theme arises from the fact that the recovery has reached a point where it's consistent with a trend of rising commodities. That's a concept not people are talking about. And the Commodity Research Bureau has broken its downtrend line dating all the way back to 2009. Oh, I should say it's added. It's just a little bit above it, so it's going to break a little bit further. But markets like that will likely benefit, uh, you know, uh, the higher commodity prices will be stuff like, you know, the Canadian Aussie dollars, okay, because their their entire, um, you know, economy is based on on those types of things. So, uh, also, you know, I looked at U.S. versus the the world, and I got to think that look, I don't think the U.S. is going to go down, okay? But I do think I uh, you got to start to add money to the foreign markets. Uh, I'm just not sure if you should go emerging markets or uh, the more established markets. To me, I think the emerging markets look today, uh, but I, I think you want to be starting to think about that. And then the other is growth versus value. And I think growth versus value, uh, you know, we've been talking about that at RBC for some time now. And one of the things I'm seeing uh, is a is we're making a lower high on growth versus value. So um, we are at, we have broken the 200-day moving average on the growth side. So uh, it's that's a slight negative, you know, a 200-day moving average. We also have uh, – some other things that I think you know that you guys don't want to understand if I talk to you about them on the on the radio, but there's some interesting stuff going on there which I think are very very important. So those are a couple of things uh, I'm I'm seeing. And uh, somebody asked me, uh, I think it was Tuesday, um, you know, Tim, <laughs> what is going on with Bitcoin? And and I kind of laughed, and uh, you know, I could go into uh, into detail, but look, uh, remember, gold led Bitcoin. Okay, now Bitcoin, remember, gold went parabolic. And I said it went parabolic, and I said, gold's not going anywhere. Matter of fact, one of my clients kept saying he was going to sell GDX at, at 55 or something like that. And I said, it ain't going to get there, you know, because gold's gone parabolic. And uh, another guy said he was going to sell. Uh, uh, Barrett Gold at, at 60 or something like that. And I said, yeah, that'll get there eventually, but it's not getting there this summer. 
and they they poo pooed me and you know rest is off. But I think if you look, I'm getting kind of bullish on gold. Uh, the more I see, you know, I mean, I look at a lot of technical things, and the more I see it, the better I feel. Um, now we're we're still going to wait for it to break out, but we'll see. Uh, so I'm getting really bullish on gold, and and I I guess you know I had. Uh, you know, I count my calls and stuff like that just to see who I've talked to. I write them down. And uh, I had 21 of my clients last week ask me, you know, how do I get involved with Bitcoin? Now, look, uh, let's go back a while. And I had a guy call the show. And you can call the show, by the way, at 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945 and ask a question. And this was back in 2018. He said, I've never made so much money as in Bitcoin. And I said, good, but it's parabolic right now. You better be careful. And after that, uh, it went all the way down to two, to basically 3,000. And I think it was about, yeah, it was midway through 2019. I said, you know, it's not going down anymore. It's not going down anymore. And then it popped up to 14,000 and went right back down to four. So a little bit volatile. It, and since, you know, in 2020, it's gone from four to 42,000. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> What could possibly go wrong? Uh, yes, anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, what could possibly go wrong with, uh, you know, there's, and some people think it's going to 100,000, and they may be right. Uh, they're going to do it without me. But look, uh, back, uh, I, I believe, the week of the uh, election, Tim Hayes said to uh, buy the clean air, you know, the green stocks, Okay. And I had some of my clients do it. A lot of clients didn't listen. Uh, I bought a company called Clean Spark at twelve bucks. It went to thirty. It was down three bucks, and it's over thirty now. Uh, there was a company called Beam. Uh, you know, doubled almost. Uh, Sun Power went crazy. You know, and so I, I, when I talk this stuff, I'm, I'm talking my pocketbook too. Now, unfortunately, because since a lot of my clients did not get involved, I couldn't. But just so you know. If we looked at the Invesco Wilder Hill Clean Energy Fund, uh, which is, you know, some of my clients bought that, it was at about 62 at that time. Uh, it's now at the top end of its range on the on the charts at 120. Oh, and 118, I guess it is. So that's since the election. That's when I started talking about this. So it's doubled. All right. So uh, just, you know, just so you know, we, we do have some good things to say on the show. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, you know, I was I was talking with some people over the weekend and uh, I mean, over the week and uh, it was so I'm having a hard time finding all my stuff here. Um, I think the most significant thing this week that happened uh, were, were two things. Number one, I saw the 10 year treasury break its downtrend line dating back three years. So it had been in a straight downtrend and a 10 year treasury yield now. OK. So the yield has broken out. That means the bonds have gone down. Somebody asked me, you know, I have 60% stocks, 40% bonds. And I told them, I said, 40% bonds usually is a good way to go for a retiree. Not now. You have a 40-year bear market, a bull market, which means it's been a positive market, and you've probably made a lot of money in bonds. And I thought it ended three years ago. Uh, it did not uh, because of the coronavirus. But look. They've thrown a lot of money at this, a lot of money. And, you know, the dollar is not going to hold up, I don't think. And they're going to throw more money at it. And I don't think the, the Democrats or the Republicans understand what how it affects our currencies. That's why people are buying Bitcoin, folks. That's why people bought gold last summer. So I think you got to be careful with that. The other thing I saw this recently is that, um, you know, small cap growth is leading the way. Now, value is right next to it, and mid-cap mid value and small-cap value are right behind it, okay? So it's, it's, that's kind of something that we haven't talked about, small-caps leading the way. We haven't talked about small-cap stocks in any great sense since 2000, the end of 2013. How's that, huh? Now, look, the first few weeks of each year are, are, are often very volatile, okay? So, uh, and, and despite the miss, you know, the you know, how the first week of January, the, you know, how it goes versus the first day. Well, the first day was obviously a disaster, but the first week we were up 2%. <laughs> so, uh, it, you know, those things are right. 
uh, 100% of the time, 60% of the time. You know what I mean? So, but it, it is a volatile week uh, because pe- nobody knows what's going on. But, I, you know, I, I would suggest that my outlook uh, remains the same. I, I think we're okay on a daily basis. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I, we're still a little bit overbought, not terribly overbought. Uh, I think on a weekly basis, you know, if if I uh, what I worry about, I guess uh, well, going back to daily, what I worry about is I see the advanced decline line has quit going up. It's not going down, okay, but it's quit going up. Uh, and I'm talking about just stocks only now because there's a lot of uh, you know, uh, you know, closed end funds and stuff like that. But the the weekly quadrant balance oscillator that my good friend Rob Schleimer over at Fundstrat uses pretty regularly. They're smart people over there, by the way. Uh, is not yet to the massively overbought stage and so i think what's going to happen is probably we go into february and uh you know we'll take it from there now the russell's been impressive you know the russell has broken out to a new high and uh i mean the weekly momentum's fairly overbought so i mean it would be a good thing for it to pause before it got crazy and i also think you know if you look at at versus the s&p 500 it's it's creaming it (laughs) All right. Now, value versus growth, you know, growth is still in the lead uh, over value on a on a, um, a weekly basis. But if you look at the daily, uh, it's flat. OK. And it's been that way uh, since about mid-July. So I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Once again, you know, we talked about that barbell approach. It, the, the bar is your utilities, your, you know, your uh, consumer staples, you know, those type of things. One side, you know, the barbells, the first 25 pounds or 50 pounds, whatever you put on, are technology stocks. And on the right-hand side, you know, we talked about consumer discretion, uh, dairy, uh, industrials, financials. I mean, I, you know, I've been pounding the table on financials for a while, and financials blew out this week. Uh, by the way, that's the best kind of bull market because if the banks are lending money, remember, they had no spread at all between what they borrowed from and what they were loaning money out. If they get a spread, they'll loan more money, okay? You'll watch it. You'll see it. And the other thing I was, I've been talking about high beta versus low. High beta's blown, blown the cover off of low beta, and that's usually in the industrials, the, the stocks that, uh, you know, bounce around a lot, okay? So um, I would suspect that that will probably correct. That, that is what will probably correct in, in uh, February. The U.S. Uh, t- 10-year yield note, uh, like I said, it broke out, uh, you know, by the way, Dorsey Wright doing a point and figure chart. It broke out on a point and figure chart, and Bob Dickey's uh, featured it uh, last week too. So that's interesting. All right, um, you know when you break the downtrend line dating back two years, that's that's kind of incredible. Everybody talks about the dollar. I think it's very oversold. It's at a support level. I think it'll rally. I, I don't know if it'll come back. Uh, uh, you know, and there's a lot of support at 83. So I think eventually it heads there. Uh, Anyway, let's take a break, and we'll be right back with the bullish percent and uh, some other good technical stuff. Stay, stay tuned. Pac-Man's uh, due back in April, uh, so there's no more uh, pushing it off till July this year, right? Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, the Democrats rule everything. Uh, be in, really interesting to see how it goes in the next couple of years. So, um, you know, I mentioned two major things that occurred this week, and, and one of them was the 10-year trading yield index. Okay? Remember, when yields go up, the price of your bond goes down. So, your, your interest rate may go up, but your principal goes down. That's not what you want. Uh, but it broke 1% this, this week, and it ended up at uh, 1.105, uh, which is a big, you know, I mean, from the bottom, uh, which was, you know, I think 0.375 uh, till here. That's a big move. So we've gone from crisis back to productivity very, very quickly, and uh, it's something to keep an eye on because as interest rates go up, uh, the expectations for inflation go up. Now, everybody's, nobody's talking about inflation, but like I said, the Commodity Research Bureau Index 
is right at its downtrend line, or if you really want to get picky, it's 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 above it as of Friday. So it'll be interesting to see if it breaks above it on a, in a strong way over the course of the next couple of weeks. And so, uh, you remember last week we said that commodities took on third place. So it, it's if we look at dynamic asset level investing that our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us, they also provide us with a bullish percent. Uh, and they're kind of the keepers of point and figure charting, by the way. Uh, domestic equities are still number one. International equities are number two. Commodities are number three. So international equities and commodities do really well when the dollar is weak. Okay. So I wouldn't be surprised to see international equities take over uh, domestic equities so uh, this year, but not yet. So let's talk about the bullish percent. And you may, may recall the bullish percent is a uh, is an indicator of uh, risk in the market. And so uh, this is a simple process that was designed by a protege of Charles Dow. And so it goes to, it's a chart that goes from zero to a hundred. And uh, when you get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when things are too hot to handle. That's where we are right now. Uh, and uh, when you get below 30, that's the green zone. That's when everybody's crying their beer. That's where we were last March. <laughs> that's where we were uh, just right before the election, by the way. So when we get down there, you know, what you got to do is the normal psychology is to buy now, sell later, right? What I want you to start to think like is to buy when things are down and sell them when they're up, all right? Most people don't do it. They still don't do it. They still don't do it. I have customers that I have beat over the head, <laughs> verbally, beat them over the head uh, for years. And they still did it last spring. Oh, just infuriated me. I had five guys uh, that called me right at the low and sold and I told them not to do it, not to do it, not to do it, not to do it. They did it anyway. So anyway, uh, by the way, they're great people. I love them. <laughs> it's just uh, it, getting people to do it the right way is very difficult because uh, most, you know, fear runs things when it's, you know, it should be greed. You should be greedy when others are fearful, and you should be fearful when others are greedy. Right now we're at 70 on the bullish percent. Uh so we're still above the 70. We would not uh, go into a column of O's till 68. And that didn't include Thursday or Friday. So I imagine there might be 71. Uh, the over-the-counter index is at 62. Uh, it, um, it was, I think it was up Friday, but uh, I don't get those numbers till Monday. Uh, and it's in a column of X's. Uh, and, the, and the world index reversed back up into a column of X's at, at 58. It was up 3%, so that now it is, uh, has all three back in the in a column of X's, which is very positive, by the way. Um, so we don't see any uh, major changes. I'll just mention again what I said last week. The major high-low indicators, they have a very high field positioning. You know, they're 90% threshold, but they've been there for a month. And remember, the average return over a 12-month period is in the 20% after a correction. Okay, so, or I think even with a correction. So just remember that if, it, if you do have the correction and you're still looking out 12 months, uh, the average return on the stock market is about 20%. So the daily, uh, dynamic asset level investing, uh, you know, which our friends from Dorsey Wright bring us, uh, domestic equities are number one, uh, international equities are number two, commodities are number three, fixed income number four, cash number five, and currency. So, you know, if you're doing asset allocation, 30% domestic equities, 22%. Uh, international, maybe 15% commodities, 14% fixed income, 9.5% cash, 8.3% currencies, if that's the way you want to do it. I do it a little bit different. But uh, among the big winners this week were the alternative energy. Uh, you know, there's a couple of ETFs. I, I talked about one earlier, uh, the Invesco one, and there's TAN. Uh, there's also an innovative one, uh, ARCW and, and ARCG. That's the genomic Re revolution. Uh and Arc K, which is uh, you know been a whopping. That's Kathy Moore. I met her a long, long time ago. She's a very bright lady, very bright lady. Uh, we, were, we were talking about the cloud back in 1999 and 2000. So that's how smart she was back then. Uh, but anyway, those have been the ones that have really led the the market. And we mentioned that uh, the week of the election. Uh, so, but what's also interesting is this week number two and three. Where the financials? I mean, I just can't see the financials going up with a, a certain person becoming the head of the banking group uh, coming up here. Uh, she hates banks, all right. Uh, and energy, 
energy was up 9% this week. You know, what, what's going on there? Uh, so, it, it, look, uh, clean energy was up 20%, but oil was up 9% is what I'm talking about. Uh, now, and then that's, that's even with a very mild winter. Uh, you know, natural gas is having a problem because of the mild winter, all right? So, but um, most of the indexes have been, uh, had negative weekly momentum. Um, and that's hard to believe after, you know, a couple of days this week being up. But for the last couple of weeks, we've had negative momentum. And it may, it may turn up this week, who knows? But the, look, the best performing broad U.S. fund has been the iShares S&P 500 small cap index. Uh, it has a very impressive double digit gain of like 32%. Uh, and the QQQs crossed the 2020 finish line with a performance up 47.5%. That was definitely the place to be. I got some exposure to that, not enough. Um, I, I do have a lot of stocks that are in that, though. You know, as far as sectors are concerned, uh, we did have, I mean, wow, there a lot of sectors uh, that are in positive territory. And uh, that, that's something that is, I, I think, just amazing because um, – well, I mean, we went from absolutely no sectors positive to 37 this week, and uh, we now only have two below 50. So let's start off with the most favored sectors are, these are all favored sectors. Uh, these are the most overbought. These are at 80, machinery, chemicals, semiconductors, banks, steel, and savings and loans, except for semiconductors, and most of the semiconductors involved there are, are the commodity storages, uh, commodity semiconductors, those are all value stocks. Also, uh, at the 74 level is business, uh, media, financials, electrical, and insurance. All those are, are value stocks. At 70 is leisure, gaming, Wall Street, housing, building, textiles, uh, protection services, autos, restaurants, and non-ferrous metals. They are all value. Waste management computers are at 64 Software, retail, and aerospace are at 60. Oil, oil service, and transports are at 54. And then the only two that are under, that are favored, that are under uh, 50 are drugs at 50 and biotechs, which are at 44. We have nothing under 30. So uh, that's kind of interesting. Auto parts and buildings uh, and uh, gaming and machinery and tools and restaurants, uh, textiles. And Wall Street are all in what I call bull confirmed status, which is a very positive scenario. All right. So, um, I saw a lot of uh, moves. Precious metals, which had been unfavored completely, moved up a one, was still, un, still unfavored, but moved up one, uh, one group. And then, uh, a bunch of stocks that were neutral, uh, that went to, to the first part of favored, uh, transportation, software, and protection services, and semis. I think software is just about to make another big move, me, my humble opinion. And uh, that's Tim Hayes' opinion, nobody else's, by the way. And then electrical products uh, went crazy. Internationally, uh, Latin America uh, showed up. Uh, Brazil particularly showed up. Uh, so that's another area to pay attention to. As far as fixed income is concerned, you know, we had kind of a sell-off there. Uh, we also had oil have its first week of um, negative momentum for a while, and gold and copper – I mean, copper had another uh, week of neg ne negative momentum. And then gold and corn, which had had negative momentum, started to pick back up. So uh, that was, you know, kind of a, a different scenario than what we're used to. I did see a lot of commodities, you know, soybean, gasoline, Brent crude, uh, you know, the corn fund, all up uh, between 15 and 20 percent, maybe 22 percent in some of those. So uh, a lot of commodity uh, ETFs are starting to pop up. So uh, remember, we hadn't talked about those in a long, long time other than they had a 80% correction. And then uh, relative strength. We always look at relative strength, and, you know, all it is is a, is a measure of how a stock is performing compared to something else. In this case, it's the S&P 500 equal weight. Um, and we uh, some interesting stuff, East-West Bank Corp, value stock, Husky Energy, value stock, Air Cap uh, Holdings, value stock, Cinemark, value stock. Fortuna uh, Silver Mines, hmm. Lakeland Industries, which uh, they make the, the suits, the you know, the, the uh, suits to keep you safe, shall we say. On to innovations, that's a semiconductor. Uh, Nine Limited, Oxford Industries were taken out, by the way. Uh, uh, Petrolado Brasilio uh, Oil Company, NOAA Holdings, Sinolio, 
which is basic materials. Uh, Twin Disc, which is automobiles, Hero Health, uh, Iger Farm, Biofarm, Ingevity, Liberty Oil Fields. And then uh, we had some cells, uh, too. Genie Energy, Marine Products, One Gas, Immunic, which is a, a biotech, Invite, which is another biotech, X-Bio, which is another biotech, obviously. Punix Limited uh, is a retail uh, group. So um, there we go. Anyway, the, I think the key here is is that, like I, I said, I think the key things that I would talk about this week that make sense are, number one, the 10-year Treasury yield broke 1%. That's the downtrend line dating back four or five years. That's very important. When things break their downtrend line, it's a change of trend. Now, not a solid citizen yet. You don't want to go out and buy interest rate uh, uh, futures yet, okay? But it's something you got to pay attention to. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on out there that a lot of people are not talking about, and I, I think that's one of them that you should be thinking about. The other thing I would suggest is the small caps took the lead in dynamic asset level investing. And then the third one is commodities took third place and stayed there for the second week in a row. So we haven't talked about commodities in a long, long time. When I first came on the show, that's all I talked about. <laughs> that was in the, you know, the 2000s. Uh, you know, we talked about oil, gold, uh, you know, Bakken, Montana, the Permian Basin, all that good stuff. So with, with uh, uh, the dollar declining, and it, I think the dollar is ready for just a little bit of a rally coming up here, but with the dollar declining, it's something to pay very close attention to. All right. So it's some things that you should be uh, thinking of. So we, the trends are yields broke out. The 10-year Treasury yield broke 1%. That's important. That's a big barrier. Small caps have been leading the way. They need a rest. They're up big. Three, commodities not only broke out, but they held. Okay? That's another thing. Uh, and they, if, they, if they break the downtrend line dating back all the way back to 2009, that would be the first sign of inflation we had since then. That would be very, very big, in Tim Hayes' humble opinion. <laughs> All right? Uh, and, and then finally, uh, you know, the first week of January was positive. The first day was not. So we'll, we'll see which one of those indicators are the more powerful coming up here. Uh, I think that's, uh, that'll be very, very interesting. You know, right now, I think it's a great time to look at our prime income list. I think dividends will be very, very important coming up here. And a lot of the commodities and the industrial companies have dividends, okay? Now, if the dollar continues to go down, they'll grow them, all right? So uh, we'll, we'll keep up with that if we uh, can over the course of the next uh, year or two. I think it's time for us to take a break, uh, but I'm not hearing the music. So uh, i tell you what, let's start talking about uh, the uh, – the insider buys, and I noticed uh, in World Acceptance Corporation, which hit a new high, uh, Cliff Sausen, who's a 10% owner, bought $4.2 million worth of that stock. He also bought, uh, he's at, at Home Group, which is a specialty retailer. Uh, that popped up, and he bought $4.8 million worth of that, which is kind of interesting. And then Pulse uh, Biosystems, which has a, a nano pulse uh, technology, which is uh, be going to be used for uh, uh, what we call, uh, well, I don't, I, what do you call it, facial surgery or, you know, uh, taking brown spots off and things like that. So cosmetic surgery for the most part. Uh, but they've also shown some great stuff with cancer. Uh, that is Bob Dugan, the CEO, who owns quite a bit of it, 47% of it, bought 384,274.79 shares, and he owns a ton of it. So that'll be interesting. And then uh, Synthetic Bio, we had four buyers, and uh, they all bought – three bought 50000 and the CFO bought 450000 Those for uh, That's for those people who like to gamble a little bit because uh, that is a, you know, 70-cent stock. Went to a dollar on that news. And, and uh, there's also uh, a company that – this is kind of an interesting one because the last time these guys bought uh, – they bought January 4th, by the way. Uh, the stock was at 78 cents and it went to 550. Okay, so it's called Research Frontiers, and we had three guys buy forty thousand dollars and the CEO buy uh, fifty five thousand, uh, and then another guy buy five thousand. Uh, it's, it's only a three dollar stock, so uh, be be interesting type of scenario. 
It sounds like we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with more Insider Buys. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Uh, you just tuned in. This is the Smart Investor Show, and uh, we don't have my normal technician on board, so we have his boss, and his boss is a good man. He's just not used to working with me. <laughs> so we're a little bit off tilter here, but we're talking about insiders. Remember, insiders are, are pretty important people because they know their company better than we do. And number one, number two, they're usually early. Number three, we're looking for big purchases, not 2,000 shares here, 2,000 shares there. We're looking for 50, 60,000 shares, okay? Hundreds of thousands of shares. So, you know, we just talked about uh, Research Frontiers. We talked about uh, Pulse Technology, Synthetic Bio, uh, and a few other names here. And one name uh, I think we've got to talk about is Intel. Uh, the CFO just bought 10,000 shares uh, at 50, and, and also uh, Gary Smith. Another uh, guy bought 6,630 uh, 6, shares. But most important is David Loeb at Third Point bought a ton of it. So Intel is now, you know, Third Point, uh, he, he ran Disney up big after he bought it. I mean, Disney went from basically, uh, it was a dollar, 115 is now in the 170 area. All right, this guy's a very bright man. Okay, so Intel may be the guy that be paying attention to at this point. Uh, a couple other names. Um, Howard Hughes Corporation, uh, which just split big. Uh, the, the Pershing Square Capital Management, which is a director, bought uh, $199 million worth of stock. That's about 2.56 million shares. That is not chump change, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, also, Illyrian Therapeutics, which a uh, little dollar 26 cents stock, but there's uh, a gentleman by the name of Manir Satter who bought 9900 $9.9 million worth of stock or 9 million shares, so it's just a little bit over, which I thought was interesting. So a lot of these small biocat – I talked to an, a guy, a friend of mine, who's a very good biotech analyst, and he said uh, about a year ago that he thought there was 400 stocks in the biotech field under 5 bucks that had life-saving technology, okay? So I whipped out that thing about six months ago, and – 58 of those have gone from below five to above 58. I had, I had several of them. Uh, I had several of them that, you know, went just only to 30, <laughs> which is pretty good too. So uh, I think biotech may be one of the most undervalued places that there is. And also I gate uh, pharmaceuticals. They did a secondary just recently and Armistice Capital bought uh, $8 million worth of 1.5 million shares. And then another biotech, tech stock. It's called Gritstone Oncology, which was at a new high when this occurred. And Tom uh, Woad, wo- wo- wait, I don't know, Waywoad, I think, I don't know. <laughs> That'd be a tough one for uh, anybody that had problems with their R's. Uh, he bought $5 million worth, $1.3 million. And here's another one. Remember last week we talked about Berkshire Hathaway. We had another buyer of Berkshire Hathaway to the tune of a million dollars worth. And then uh, last week we talked about uh, AirT, which is an integrated freight and logistics company, then we had two more buyers of that of, that, of uh, the tune of about 374000 each, uh, uh, a guy named Nick Swenson and a, and a guy named Ray Caballet. And uh, Rick, Nick Swenson is the CEO, So, but there was like six or seven buyers last week, okay? And then uh, just a couple uh, more. Uh, you know, we had uh, uh, Grief Brothers uh, or Grief Inc., which is packaging. Remember, I, that's part of to, uh, Tom Lee's and uh, Rob Schleiber's group at uh, Fundstrat, they're talking about packaging, you know, and, and industrials, that type of thing. Uh, Larry Heisheimer uh, bought another $700,000 worth, and he, last week uh, he bought quite a bit, uh, as you may recall. Um, so I was looking at Tom Dickey stuff, uh, Bob Dickey stuff, I'm sorry, uh, and, you know, he's been uh, kind of worried about the market. Uh, and, you know, he's, not, he's always early. Okay, he's, he's like in an insider, uh, but he's all, 99% of the time he's right. So he's been talking about uh, that the Dow and it's high, higher for the year. Uh, it's up about 20,000. So, uh, but, you know, he, he's, he's being more cautious and he thinks that the year ahead may be, you know, kind of choppy and that type of thing. Um, but it will, will generally be positive. Uh, however, 
he does see a rate rally. So that means the economy is getting better, folks, okay? Uh, contrary to what everybody's talking about, when the rates start to break down trend lines, that means things are getting better. So, look, I think you've got to think about a couple things. Uh, small cap led the way. That means there's money actually out in the economy. They've stuck the money out for the last, you know, from 2014 to 2019. It was, they were sucking money out of the economy, and, and you need money. Uh, for the small caps to go up. Uh, interest rates broke out. That's very important. Commodities held third place two weeks in a row. That's very important. And they're very close to breaking their downtrend line dating all the way back to 2009. In the meantime, what would I do? Well, uh, here's some th- things I would look at. Uh, number one, if interest rates are popping up, the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. Now's a good time to lock in a rate for a long, long p- period of time. For the ladies out there, women's, uh, women and wealth planning, a workbook and uh don't forget to you know go to whk1420 go down to local podcast tim hayes smart investor show you can get our top ideas remember i'm talking about foreign stocks now our adr list our american depository list that's foreign stocks that trade over here uh no 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 currency worries then the dividend growth portfolio the prime income list the small cap portfolio the multi-cap portfolio all right don't forget why you're on my webpage. Bob Dickey stuff is there every day under technical updates and under insights. There's a lot of good articles. We switch them regularly. I mean, like weekly. So some good stuff. In the meantime, beautiful day. It's beautiful day. It's supposed to be in the 40s tomorrow. Uh, have a great weekend. It's a great start of the year. Uh, I'm beginning to like this global warming stuff. Anyway, uh, my name is Tim Hayes. This is the Smart Investor Show. Remember, buy low and sell high. Have a good weekend. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.